We all enjoy the finer things in life, but it's fair to say not when it's at the expense of the planet. The good news is you don't necessarily have to choose between the two. I'm Jasmine Hemsley, and this is Self Sustainable. In this series brought to you by Selfridges, I'm going to be talking to the best designers, producers, and experts in the world of sustainability to see how making a few small changes in our lives can actually make a world of difference. From how we eat, to how we dress, to how we travel, we'll be looking at all the ways that being sustainable can look, taste, and feel great. In this episode, we're talking about a topic very close to my own heart, food. Okay, we've got eggs. These are not eggs, these are waffles that look like eggs. Oh my goodness. In this episode, I'll be speaking to some of the best people in the world of sustainable food, all in the hopes that we can make feeding ourselves taste even better. Okay, I'll be turning one of my favourite things, the mighty chocolate chip cookie, into a sustainable treat you can enjoy guilt-free. Can't wait to hack into this, but we have to save them for the cookie. To hear how we can think bigger but eat smaller, I'll be speaking to Clément Cellier, founder of Jiminy's, about how eating insects could save the planet. If we want to be able to feed the world in 2050, we will need to double the production protein and um, insect could be a very good solution. And finally, the amazing chefs from Selfridges, Mark Taylor and James Holler, are going to tell me about the ways that being a little bit more creative can fix our food waste problem once and for all. What we're trying to do is enable people to make the decisions that they really want to. And doing that through a menu is a really interactive way of, of getting your message across. So what we eat and how it affects the world around us is something everybody, I think, is discussing in 2019. A UN report from 2013 says that we produce enough food to feed the world twice over. And yet we waste globally around 1.6 billion tonnes. And that's a third of the total food we produce. While nearly 1 billion people go hungry. This food system emits more CO2 than China and the EU combined and accounts for 70% of our fresh water use. We spoke to Dan Crossley, Executive Director of the Food Ethics Council, at his office in King's Cross. The Food Ethics Council is a charity set up 20 years ago with the aim to make a food system that is fair and healthy for both people and the planet. In the UK, there's an expectation um, that we have that food must be cheap. Our food is, relatively speaking, one of the cheapest in the world. But actually, the reality is that it's, it's, it's never cheap. We actually pay three times for our food. Um, firstly, the price at the checkout. Uh, there's also the cost, environmental cleanup costs, for example, the runoff of pesticide from some farms into rivers. And thirdly, the, the costs, for example, of diet-related ill health. So it costs the NHS several billions of pounds every year to deal with diet-related um, diseases. Uh, so there are, there are huge costs like that. And if we factor those in, then actually the, the true cost, the real cost we, we pay for food should be a lot higher. We're increasingly disconnected, or many of us are increasingly disconnected from food and where it comes from. There was a survey from a few years ago, which was a nationally representative survey, and asked different age groups uh, where certain foods came from. And one figure that sticks in my mind is that 36% of 16 to 23-year-olds didn't know that bacon came from pigs. 
And crucially, that's not a criticism of 16 to 23 year olds necessarily. It's much more a sad indictment of where we are as society. In the olden days, we might have uh, had a personal connection and had some food that was grown by a farmer who lived next door. But nowadays, increasingly, there, there is real opaqueness in the supply chain. So there are, there are lots of people and links in the chain and they're increasingly hidden from us. And that's a real issue because there's a risk that we don't value food. And if we don't value food, we're much more likely to throw it away. I couldn't agree with Dan Moore. It's so important to know exactly where your ingredients are coming from. The troubles we face with food also come down to our own connection with, well, our lack of connection with where and how our food is produced. I mean, it's literally put together by people you'll never meet, made by, you know, the hands or, or by a machine. You as a consumer are often in the dark and some labels are even designed to mislead you. And certainly advertising and packaging is, is designed to make you think of certain things. So taking the chat with Dan in mind, I decided... Let's see if I can make a sustainable chocolate chip cookie. Choc chip cookies or cookies in general are so purchasable now and they're cheap, you know. They've just become such an everyday thing. We almost take for granted. And I just think getting into the kitchen to bake a cookie is such a nice way to connect children and adults back to the skill of cooking. So, yeah, chocolate chip cookies kind of, for me, they kind of keep it real. So a great place to pick up some ingredients for this is Selfridges. In both their food hall and restaurant, sustainability really is a key focus. You won't find endangered fish, foie gras, plastic bags, straws, or even single-use plastic water bottles. And the buyers and chefs are always on the lookout for brands that put the people and the planet first. With this in mind, I headed down to Selfridges Food Hall to look for ingredients that were not only more sustainable, but also told me a lot about where they actually came from. So, I'm in the snack section, trying not to get distracted. Okay, so there's a home baking section. There's not that many ingredients in a chocolate chip cookie. In general, you can be quite experimental. You need some fat, it's usually butter. So I'm a big butter fan. I know, good British butter is a great way to go. So there's um, a company here I haven't heard of, but it's called Bungay Raw Butter. This is saying, our butter's completely unique, straight from our happy Montbilliard and Frisian cows. Our girls graze the lush marshes of the Waveney River Valley and dine on only the best. So it's funny that a company even has to spell this stuff out, because this is what a lot of people think they're buying when they buy butter. So this is what we should be looking for if we're going to buy butter, an item that we do so well in this country, but simply take for granted. This is local, the cows are free range, and these have a much lower carbon footprint because the more grass the cows eat, the less food that needs to be grown for them. And these guys keep their cows outside grazing for as long as physically possible. So this is already the right vibe for making a sustainable cookie. You'll need some kind of sweetener. Um, so I've often used uh, more natural whole sweeteners like maple syrup in the past to sweeten cookies. So responsibly sourced maple syrup is great because it's not only unrefined, so we know the product goes from pretty much tree to bottle, but it's sustainable too. You don't have to fell the trees to produce it, as you can simply tap a maple tree for the sap that goes on then to produce the syrup. So while browsing through the food hall, a label did catch my eye. I did not think I would come across that on a shelf in my everyday. It was a box labelled Jiminy's. So this is pasta. This is 18% protein by Jiminy's and um, 
they literally combine, let me have a look at the ingredients, wheat and eggs and basil with, wait for it, buffalo worms. So with the population set to rise to 10 billion by 2050, but our meat consumption needing to decline by 90% to avoid catastrophic climate change, one of the solutions that people have suggested to get the protein that we need is for us to start eating insects. One kilogram of, of uh, uh, wet meat protein, you will need between um, 16,000 litres of water. To produce the same amount of protein with insects, you will only need something like uh, 20 times less. And um, that's why insect could be a very good solution. We spoke to one of Jiminy's founders, Clement Sellier. Around 2 billion people already eat insects. For example, in the southeast of India, in Africa, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, and of course in um, South America. And uh, of course, we have been eating insects uh, in Europe as well. Uh, for example, in France, we have been eating insects until the um, 15th century. We can find insects in the, um, in the Bible as well. We can find insects almost everywhere, but we stopped eating it. Insects have been considered as, as dirty because it was laying on the floor. You, you had some example of insect destroying uh, crops and, and so on. It was considered as something evil, you know. I would say that it's, it's something very hard to explain because we, we still eat, for example, uh, shrimps. Or, uh, but if you just take a minute to think what is more disgusting than an oyster, you know. And I like oysters, but it's disgusting in terms of uh, visual. It's maybe worse than insect. So why not eating insect? The taste of insects is quite. Um, it tastes like uh, nuts or um, almost butter, and uh, sometimes a little bit like chicken or shrimps. It, it, it depends a lot uh, of the of the insect uh, and the way you cook it. If it's the one insect, we season it with natural seasoning. We have the, the grasshopper with paprika, for example, or the um, uh, garlic and herbs, uh, mealworms. So it's like a crisp, you know, in terms of uh, taste and uh, and texture. The um, uh, products made with uh, insect powder, it doesn't have any taste. What we think in, at Jiminy's is that there is no, you know, a perfect solution. There is some solution that added together will make the future of, uh, of food. Of course, it will take time because insect can be compared to uh, raw fish with sushi, for example. It has taken something like uh, 20 years to, to establish sushis in, in Europe. And now you have sushi shops everywhere, everywhere. Maybe insects, it will be longer, maybe not. But we believe that it will, it will be successful. And even if insects won't replace meat or soy or anything, it will be a, a part of the solution uh, to this uh, global problem. I have eaten a cricket or two or three. It was on my guacamole once in a Mexican restaurant. And it was small and fried. And it was quite a nice contrasting crunch to the cool, creamy guacamole. So seeing, you know, um, the packaging, Jimmy's packaging, and it being sold in Selfridges Food Hall, amongst many, many other things that we know and love, I think it definitely would start appealing to more people. I think more out of 
curiosity than anything. So the third ingredient in my cookies is flour, and inspired by some of Jiminy's products, I'm going to incorporate some cricket flour into my cookie. So, last but not least, the most important part of the cookie is the chocolate chips. Chocolate feels like such an innocent product, but there is slavery involved, and we never get to see that side of things. 2.3 million children work on the cocoa farms in Ghana and the Ivory Coast. 90%, which is 2 million of them, work in illegal or dangerous conditions, and many of them are victims of human trafficking or forced labor. One company set up in 2005 was Tony's Chocolonely, with a mission of making chocolate 100% slave-free. And it seems that people are really getting behind this message, buying nearly 37 million bars between 2017 and 2018. So lots of people have been telling me about this brand and I've yet to try it. So this is very exciting for me. It's brightly colored. It looks very Willy Wonka-esque. It's definitely going to be talking to the big kids in us all. So it says, "Hello there. I'm Tony's Chocoloni. My mission is to make 100% slave-free the norm in chocolate." So these guys have got a reason to shout out in their bright colors and big uh, typography. The ethos behind this chocolate is not just to be fair trade, it's to end slavery and to educate us that this is actually a thing within the the very innocent chocolate that we eat in our day-to-day. I've uh, got certain orange bar here and a purple one. Oh my goodness. If you could see this, it's like oh dark pretzel topping okay i found my tony's chocolate so with all these fantastic ingredients in hand i headed home to put them all together i think this is going to make one hell of a cookie okay so we're going to make some cookies I've got all my stuff from selfridges i've been to the food hall i picked up flour um i'm going to sweeten with some maple syrup i've got this incredible butter oh my goodness and then this is very exciting this lovely bar of Tony's chocolate which I I've got this really interesting one with a pretzel and it's got crunch factor. I can't wait to tuck into this but we have to save some for the cookies. First things first, I'm going to measure out this flour. Okay. And actually, I should put the other one in there. Okay, so I'm actually going to mix with my cricket flour another type of flour because the cricket flour by itself is quite dark and it doesn't have a very strong taste. but it's definitely kind of got a nuttier one. I'm going in there with um some gram flour, aka chickpea flour, as well as being protein rich, easy to get hold of. For me, chickpea flour sits right up there with cricket flour in terms of sustainability, getting your protein in very easily. And, And when it comes to chickpea flour, you need to roast it first. Some of the flours are actually made from roasted chickpeas, in which case you can use that ahead of time. So to cook it first, I'm going to toast it in a pan on a dry heat. Pokey pokey. Right. So that will then go into my mixing bowl with the cricket flour. And then we'll add the butter. Now I'll just melt in there. So 6 tablespoons of butter. So I'm going to make this recipe you make about 9 kind of largeish cookies or I can make a ton of smaller ones. A bit of a bread crumby thing going on now. And then I'm going to add in my maple syrup. So that's all kind of mixed together. So time to roll those cookies. So to make the cookies, you just pinch off the amount, roll it into a ball, Four, pop eight, it onto a tray, and press it down with the heel of your hand. Okay, chocolate time! Ooh, I can see the crunchy bits. This is a proper thick bar. Oh wow! And um, I've used about half a bar. Now chop them into chunks. 
And look how nice and homemade and uneven they are. <laughs> right, and here go my chunks. Oh, that's a big chunk, so I'm gonna get very lucky. Finally, bake. Right, so they're in the oven. I've put them in the middle oven so they don't get too hot. How many minutes, how many minutes, how many minutes? Okay, so 20 minutes at 180, and I've got a fan oven. Um, and then we've got cookies. So, while the cookies are baking, I was in Selfridges earlier and I got to speak to two of my favourite chefs, Mark Taylor, executive head chef, and James Holler, executive sous chef, about the creative ways Selfridges are tackling the food waste problem. I think just waste and all those things are in the DNA of the business now, in everything we do. And it's probably grown organically over time. So obviously, wasted in April 2017 was another great story for the business. In 2017, the chef Dan Barber from the Blue Hill restaurant in New York brought his food waste pop-up Wasted to the roof of Selfridges in London, creating waste-based menus with some of the best chefs from across Europe. Dan really made us think differently about what we did and challenged the conversation on waste. And we went to a really interesting dinner this week and there was a quote on the on the wall that just said, waste is lack of imagination. And I think that's really poignant because it doesn't just mean about us. You know, it's about trying to make waste sexy. And I think lots of people will eventually buy into that. And that's that's great. Food waste does naturally occur, and so you have to come up with creative solutions to try and deal with that. We've been lucky enough at Selfridges to be able to attract some really great people to work with, which have helped us to do that. So I'm a big shout out to Olio. It's a food sharing app. It's not just businesses, it's individuals. So if, you're, if you like make a fish pie at home and you've got an extra portion, you know, pop it on the app and maybe your neighbour's got the app, they see it, they come and knock on and they give it and you give it away and that, you stop it from going in the bin. Where I used to live in my group of flats, the whole building kind of took apart, you know, 600 flats. And there was, you know, we, we would pin up on the board, I'm making this tonight if anyone wants to buy a portion. And that's actually a really nice way to get to know your neighbours yeah, as well. Especially which in is, London, where you yeah, just don't. Yeah, I think that's, you know, food, food is a great way to bring people together. With their Less Waste, More Taste initiative, Selfridges is also turning one man's trash into another man's tasty treasure. Probably the biggest successful item we've had has been the, the brass round scotch egg. The brass round in Selfridges, it's like, uh, it's like the Cat's Deli of London. Salt beef sandwich bar has been there for 52 years now, I think. Wow. It's a real institution, a London institution, and we go through about, is it 100 kilos a week, Mark, of salt beef? No, it's near a tonne a week, nearly a tonne of salt beef a week. Wow. Yeah, so a tonne of salt beef a week, so that's, a, that's, a, that's also a, 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 a tonne of trimmings. Literally. Plus also, I mean, you think about the amount of bread we go through. So there's all, we, we can't ever run out of anything. So we're always a couple of loaves over. There's always beef trimming. So what do you do with that? So we developed the brass rail scotch egg, which is made from the, the fresh salt beef trimmings every day. And the old bread turned into breadcrumbs. Well, obviously with a fresh egg in, in the middle, it's not an old egg. And that literally it's flying out the door. And it's, it's been a phenomenal success. So much so we, we, we don't have any wastage in the brass rail. I mean, everything about that makes total sense, except that there was a period where the idea of eating leftover of any kind was really like, why would you pay for that? But you guys have made the story and made people help people to understand. Of course, that makes absolute sense. This is what things like sausages and scotch eggs and stews are for. They're for the trimmings and the offcuts. I think it's thinking differently on many levels. We tried to be creative with with something that was sort of banging us on the forehead, really. And also, actually, what is luxury? 
Luxury is in many guises, I think, and everyone's idea of luxury is completely different. And we've just tried to be creative as a group of people. You know, chefs are generally creative. You know, I'm lucky to work with a really creative group of people and we just bounce ideas off each other. But yeah, we, we, we sort of looked at, looked at things and thought, okay, how can we find a solution to that? You know, have we sort of not been looking at that in the right way for a certain period of time? And, and I think that is challenging us on so many levels now um, not just in food but across the whole spectrum of life and I think that's a really good thing okay so back to my kitchen it's that all-important moment now where we find out if sustainability tastes as good as it sounds cookies are out there they've cooled but they're still a bit warm they're lovely they've kind of got like a ginger nut texture to them um, which is really nice because they're definitely crunchy cookies but it's nice because they're not overly sweet you get this really interesting flavor nutty flavor from the flour and then you've got this kind of darkish chocolate but with bits of caramel in it I mean it's it's kind of perfect (laughs) it's my kind of cookie so this is Nick my other half hi (laughs) what do these look like uh, well, they smell delicious to start with, but they also look amazing. So can I try one then? Yeah. Homemade choc chip cookies. Take the ugly one. Let's get the Oh, good crunch. Mmm. It's got a solid crunch. Yeah, it's delicious. Julie the dog wants one. Look, oh, no, you can't. It's, it's got chocolate again. in it. Um, it's, uh, it's gram flour. Amazing. Actually, it's gram and cricket flour. Even better. Put a spring in my step. Didn't even bat an eyelid at that, did you? Well, um, I'm used to you cooking weird and wonderful things. So, so. What do you think, though? No, really good. Over shop-bought cookies? No, definitely. I'm just uh, trying, trying to chew through my cricket. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, delicious. And I guess um, a bit of protein power. Definitely protein power. Yeah, lovely. Not for you, Jules. And finally, we asked all of our fantastic guests what were the best bits of advice they could give us to eat more sustainably. Ask questions about where your food comes from and how it was produced. Uh, if the people there don't know answers to that questions, that might tell you something. Think about the responsibility you have by uh, picking one or another product uh, on the shelves. Say part of your routine is to, is to get uh, a, a cup of coffee or Subway or, or McDonald's. I mean, there are now plenty of equivalents on the high street that actually have a more sustainable message. Eating less and better meat is really important um, because of the, the big environmental health and, and welfare impacts of eating lots of meat. Um, buy small and often because I do believe people just fill their shopping baskets and actually they probably throw out a third of what's in their fridges get involved in shaping the food system for the better. There are lots of issues to do with food, but actually every interaction with food has the potential to do something positive. So as someone who's been interested in both food and sustainability for quite some time, I think the interesting thing that keeps coming up is that if it's good for the planet, it's generally good for you. This episode was brought to you by Selfridges and Radio Wolfgang. It was presented by me, Jasmine Hemsley, and featured Dan Crossley, Clement Sellier, Mark Taylor, and James Holler. The executive producers were Harry Watson and Ellie DiMartino. 
The assistant producers were Eli Block and L. Scott, and the producers were Ivan Manley and Natalia Rodriguez. Discover more ways in which Selfridges is buying better and inspiring change at selfridges.com forward slash buying better. <laughs>